So just in case you don't know, again, it's the next eight weeks. But what's happening is at the end of this eight weeks, in the first week of December, we are going to be doing a, a giant serve day, basically. And uh, you're going to find out more through your small groups. But all of, what we're going to do is we're going to inundate South Mississippi, and we're going to serve our city. Um, and so we're excited about it. But, but step one is this. Every single one of you, you got to get in a small group. All right? Small groups start this week. Okay? Seven of you care. The others, you don't know what I'm talking about. So it's cool. I'll get there. I'll get there. Okay? So here at Northwood Church, we do small groups. Now, it's not something that's just an addendum to what we do. Uh, we are a church of small groups. Like, what we believe in is that we've got to get out of just the crowd, and we've got to sit in circles with one another and get to know each other and encourage one another and build relationships, right? That's what we believe in. That's what we're, 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 we're leaning towards. And so Serve Your City is really kind of, kind of pushing the envelope in this area to where we're all on the same page. We're doing two different types of small groups this semester. One is freedom groups, all right? And uh, y'all, we got like 180 people signed up for freedom groups. We're excited about that. It's incredible. And we've got another few hundred signed up for Serve Your City groups. Uh, it's also what Impact's going to be going through as well, so we're excited to be linking up uh, with that. And, uh, and this is another thing right off the bat. I'm going to go ahead and just say it. You can't stare at me for the next 30 minutes, all right? Like some of you, you're like, man, it's, it's, it's 9 o'clock. We started 30 minutes earlier, but you can't just stare at me. Like I, I need some like reciprocation, okay? It's okay to smile. Like it's okay to smile. We're in church, I know, but it's okay. We can smile and we can act like we're enjoying what's going on, okay? But uh, it's going to be a good day, right? Come on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. So, so in that, again, this is week one. So we're starting the conversation. Okay, we're, this is an eight-week conversation that we're going to be having about serving our city. And today I want to talk to you about the heart behind it, though. The heart behind it. And the heart behind it is that we want to have the same heart that God has for humanity. Okay? We want to have the same heart that he has. And, um, and everything that we're doing this for the next eight weeks is based on the book from uh, Dino Rizzo. Now, Dino Rizzo has been here before. He's come and spoken here. He actually, uh, he was a part of our marriage conference or retreat that we had a couple of years ago. And he's literally one of the funniest guys that I've ever met in my life. He's hilarious. And, uh, but he wrote a book called Serve Your City. And uh, he actually sent us a message. He knew that we were going to be going through this for the next eight weeks. And he wanted to just reach out and say hey to everybody and, and kind of just uh, say thanks for, for getting behind this. And so we actually have a video that we'd love to show. So you guys want to go ahead and roll that. Hey, what's going on, Northwood? Dino Rizzo here. And oh, I love your church. I love all the time I've been able to be with you. I love the legacy of your church, Pastor Jordan and Nadine, and all the things that you're about there. And I love that you're in this series, Serve your city, you're doing that in your small groups. And I wrote that book and the reason why I did was because I believe all around us is broken humanity and they need to know that they matter to God. And one of the ways they're gonna know that they matter to God is when they, they know that they matter to us. And we'll do that by serving them and loving them and caring for them and noticing what's going around us. So I believe these are great days and your best days are ahead for you as a church, as, you're, as you serve your city for the cause of Jesus Christ. Hey, thanks a lot. Looking forward to hearing all the things that are going to happen out of this time and out of this season. Come on. It's good. It's good. So God's heart for humanity. God's heart for humanity. We have to see people through the lens that God sees people. Okay? We have to see people through the lens that God sees people. We all see people a certain way. 
All right, and, and most of the time we see them through the lens of our experiences, of our life. Come on, if you're a, a skeptical, cynical kind of person, maybe you've been through some situations where you've been taken advantage of, guess what you have a problem doing? Trusting people, right? Because of your experience, now you see humanity through this lens. Maybe you're one of those people that's just blessed with the gift of mercy. That is not me, but maybe you're one of those people where like you always see the positive in someone. I mean, they could be standing there like punching somebody in the face and you're like, you know what? That person, they just, they just need Jesus, you know? And like, you're just, you're just there for them where we're like calling cops and coming out with bats and we're like, yeah, yeah. you just, you have like, there's a spectrum there, but what is it? Well, you're seeing people through the lens of your personality, of your experience. Uh, but you know what? That is a very, that can vary from time to time. Okay, like if I haven't had enough coffee, I might not see people with, with a lot of grace, but once I've had two or three or four cups, like I just feel positive about life and everything. And so therefore I'm seeing this through the lens of caffeine. But, but we have to see people through, through God's eyes. But whenever we say God, um, which God are we talking about? Are we talking, you know what I'm talking about? That spectrum that we have with ourselves, we have a spectrum with God. We have a spectrum with God. Is God the, the loving, gracious, merciful God that just, right, like turn the other cheek kind of God? He just, he just gives and gives and he's merciful. Or is he this legalistic, judgmental dictator that's waiting to drop the hammer of judgment on you? Which God? And, and all of us, again, we see God through our experience, maybe through the way that we were taught growing up or not taught. So we have this perspective of who God is, and that skews everything about how we treat people, how we think about ourselves, how we think about our relationship with God. I think a lot of people, they have a confused, uh, they, they have a bad understanding of their relationship with God because they don't understand, they don't have good theology, so their thinking is skewed. Therefore, every time that they mess up or every time that they do something, it, it's like, you know, if they feel like they've sinned, it's like, I'm outside of the will of God, or therefore, maybe I'm, I'm just totally separate from God. Whenever in the Bible we read that God is a good father, and that's how he wants to look at us as a good father, and whenever we begin to look at ourselves as children of God, doesn't that start changing your mentality of who God is and how he interacts with you? I think that God has a greater capacity to love than I do, and I love my kids a lot, right? And so if I'm a child of God, he, he, he's gracious. Now, he is both holy and loving at the same time. We've got to realize that whenever the Bible says that God is love, that is a significant statement. God is love. I heard somebody say this one time. They said, you know, everybody wonders if God exists. And they're, they're like, well, I don't, you know, we're looking at creation and we're trying to figure out if he exists here or blah, 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 blah. Can we prove the existence of God? And, and he said, well, my Bible says God is love. And it was just this big revelation of the fact that just the essence of love, that we, the, the capability that we have to love proves that God, is, I mean, that we're made in his likeness and in his image, right? Come on, God is love. And so we've got to see through the proper lens. He is a God of standards, but he also is a God of mercy. So which God? Well, we must have a Bible-centered view of who God is, okay? If we don't have a biblically-centered view of who God is, then it's up for debate. It's up for change. Our experiences change that. We see suffering in the world and we blame God for it. We see the good things in the world and we give God credit for it. Like what? It's, it's all of our experience. We've got to have something that's separate from our emotions to dictate who God is. And the Bible is that. The Bible is that. 
So we're going to lean into that. But one fact about who God is, is that he loves us in spite of our broken, sinful, and unrighteous state. He loves us. How do we know this? Romans says this. Now, most people would not be willing to die for an upright person. That's me. <laughs> right? There's only a few people that I'm going to die for, and uh, two of them are in the kids' ministry right now. My kids, some of my family, some of you I love very much, but I'm not saying that I'd die for you. <laughs> I don't, I'm just going to, I'm very transparent, very, what? Oh, yeah, yeah, my wife. Of course. Yes. I said my family. I said family. I said that. Do what? So, oh, ooh, that's not it. All of my family. I got I to gotta crawfish out of this one. This is, man, stick to my notes. That's why, that's why some people preach like this. Romans 5 says, now most people, they don't have to answer to their wife later. Um, I would die for my wife. <laughs> I would take a bullet for her. I'm going to say that multiple times to the rest of the sermon. I have to make up for, for the pit that I have dug. Um, <laughs> most people wouldn't die for an upright person, though someone might perhaps be willing to die for a person who is especially good. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ, his only son, right, to die for us while we were still sinners. While we were still sinners. I'm going to be honest with you guys. I don't believe that there's many people in this room, if any, that have the capacity, that type of capacity for love, to die for someone that you know is going to reject you and misuse you and mock you. I really don't think that we have that capacity. But God does for billions of people. Paul even said, he said, man, I, if, if, I, would, I would give my own life if everybody would come to, to know Christ. And that's a, that's a difficult thing to be able to, uh, to admit or, or, or say or commit to. But that's the type of love for humanity that God has. A man named Robert Driscoll said this. It's a pretty long quote, but, but I think it frames up what we're talking about today pretty well. God does not select only the beautiful people or the rich or the successful to love. He loves the world. He loves us so much that he gave his son in order that the world could be saved. And of course, this is John 3, 16. And we all know the scripture. I wanted to read it to you. For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son. So that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. God sent his son into the world not to judge the world. Think about that for a second, all right? God sent his son into the world not to just judge the world. Some people think that. They think that God, like his whole point is just waiting to drop a hammer of judgment on people. I'm telling you. Many of you in this room, you've been, you've been very religious your whole life. Okay, you're a person that admits, yeah, I'm a religious person. But in that, it it's, has to do completely with your effort and your ability God didn't send Jesus to the world to judge the world in that way. He sent Jesus to save the world through him. That, that was the purpose. That was the point because he loved us, okay? We have, to, we have to have this proper mindset. Notice that God's love is for everyone in the world, whoever believes in him. We're to love others as God loves us. That's a big, quick, easy statement to make, but difficult to live out. We're to love others as God loves us. We're, we're not to pick the nicest looking, most prestigious and popular people to love. God's word even tells us to love our enemies. 
to love your enemies. I wonder how many of us, with all that's going on in the world, with all of the, the, the national the scene, war, and all the things that we see, I, I wonder how many of us have ever actually thought about the guys that are in the Middle East that are causing all of this havoc, have, have actually thought that those are people that God made and that God loves. That's challenging, y'all, because what do we want to do? Well, a lot of us in the room, just nuke them. You know what I'm saying? Like, just wipe them off the face of the planet, you know? And, and I think there might be a time, you know, obviously for, for defense and, and for war. But how do we view them? Do we view people as animals or as people that were genuinely made in the image and likeness of God? We've got to go there, y'all. We've got to go and test these parts of our heart. Because when things aren't untested, whenever we don't go there, we don't really know what's underneath the rocks inside of our hearts for people. So we've got to expose these types of mindsets. He goes on to say, um, Jesus is our example and he was being crucified. He said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Many times the world's idea of love is to love those who can further your career or those from whom you can get something that you need. But this is not godly love. There is a godly love and there is a worldly love. Worldly love is basically, I'm gonna get something out of this. Godly love is no matter if I ever see anything from it, I'm still gonna do it because it's what God wants and it's the heart of God. There's a big difference, y'all. So God's heart for humanity is displayed in a few different ways. We're only gonna cover three today. I wanna share them with you. Number one, God's heart for humanity is displayed through the fact that God graces people. God graces people. And whenever we say this, there's really two types of grace. There's, there's a, the type of grace where it's unmerited favor, okay? And then there's the other type of grace where it's God's power to accomplish the will of God, okay? God gives us power to accomplish the will that he has for us to accomplish, okay? So there's these two types of grace, and I believe that Titus 2, 11 through 12, really covers these well. It says, for the grace of God has been revealed bringing salvation to all people. And we're instructed to turn from godless living and sinful pleasures. We should live in this evil world with wisdom, righteousness, and devotion to God. I love that he, he brings together these thoughts so well that the grace of God is revealed. Okay, I believe that most of you in this place today, that the grace of God has been revealed to you because without that, there is no salvation, okay? Like this, there has to be this revelation, this salvation experience. But he doesn't just save you and grace you to sit in a chair once a week and say, all right, did that. He graces you to, to empower you to overcome sin, not just be saved from it. And he graces you with power to go out and help others do the same thing. I am completely convinced that the enemy is totally fine which, with each of you sitting in a chair like you are today. He's totally cool with it. He's fine. Because there is a danger in being saved. Okay, there's a danger in it actually. And it's this, well, I'm good. I picture this a lot. I picture the fact that the church is a, is a rescue ship. 
And I want you to picture this with me right now. I want you to picture it's nighttime. You're out in the ocean, okay? You're in a rescue ship. It's like the Coast Guard. They're rolling out. And I mean, it's giant seas, you know, 30-foot seas. And there's thousands of people in the ocean. And they're screaming and they're needing somebody to help them. They're needing to be saved. And the ship rolls up and there's people in it and they throw out a couple of life rafts or, you know, rings or whatever. And they bring some people in. And how strange would it be if they brought people in the boat and then they were all rejoicing and they're all excited because like four or five people got in the boat and they're high-fiving and they're sitting down, eating and drinking and having a good time. Whenever there's thousands of people that are out in the water still dying, drowning, we would say those people are mean, insensitive. You see, whenever we get saved, whenever we get pulled out of the depths of despair, whenever we get pulled out of darkness into light, we are not on a ship together, high-fiving one another like everything's cool. What, what happens is whenever those people get in the ship, they turn, they look back out and they say, look how many more people need to be rescued, okay? That is the mindset that we must have, y'all. We've gotta be motivated in that. There's gotta be a burden inside of us that, that as we go to work, as we, we hang out with our family, those people that are far from God, that there is something inside of us that just won't let us go. Those friends that are far from God, it's not okay that they're far from God. Because like there's something inside of you that's like they need Jesus. We don't want to be grace just to experience grace, unmerited favor. We also want to recognize that the grace of God is upon us to accomplish the will of God. And his will is what? It's that none perish. It's that none perish. We just read it. That all have life. So I want to tell you this. God doesn't require something of you without resourcing you with the power to do it. So God desires and requires of you to reach people and go out but he doesn't just leave you hanging. The Great Commission, Jesus didn't say, hey, here's all the things that I want you to do. Now go. He said, here's all the things that you must do and I'm gonna be with you. And so God has empowered you. He's graced you, first of all, for salvation, second of all, to help others realize their need for him. Number two, God heals people. God heals people. This is how his heart is displayed through humanity. Acts 10, 38, and you know that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth, Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. Then Jesus went around doing good and healing all those who were oppressed by the devil for God was with him. What does being oppressed by the devil look like? Do y'all read scriptures like that? Never wonder, what does it actually look like being oppressed by the devil. Well, I want you to think about the brokenness of humanity real quick. Think about the brokenness of humanity. Think about war, how devastating war is. The death, the destruction, the impact long-term. Think about divorce. Many of you in this place, statistically, probably more than half of you have been affected by divorce. It's such a destructive thing in our, in our life and in our kids' lives. But it's something that we see. It's not the will of God. It's not the heart of God that that would take place. But does it happen? Yes. There's war. There's, there's abuse. This past Wednesday night at prayer, we were praying and we were praying against abuse and that God would, would really illuminate abuse. 
We'd be naive to think that there's not people in this room right now that are experiencing abuse of some sort, whether it's verbal or emotional or physical, but abuse, disease, lying, corruption. Here's three things that we deal with a lot nowadays is fear, depression, and anxiety. See, a lot of times we accept these things as just part of life. Whenever this is the result of sin, like this is the oppression of the enemy, y'all. We can't just accept these things as, well, this is just my life. No, there's gotta be something in us that says, man, Jesus overcame these things. And he doesn't want us to be oppressed by these things that he came and gave his life for. It's the brokenness of humanity. And here's the deal, we don't have the ability to heal ourselves. Can I help you guys with something? There is a wave of humanistic thinking over our nation. And it's the lie that we have in and of ourselves. We have the power to overcome anything. It is satanic and demonic to think that. That's what put Lucifer out of heaven. Okay? It's not something to play with. You do not have the power to overcome things in your life on your own. You don't. You don't. We don't have the power to break the, the power of sin. It's not in us. We are completely dependent upon the, the power of the Holy Spirit for these things. See, Jesus overcame it. So by his spirit, we can overcome it. Not by our own. That's a big lie that's going around. We can only be healed by the one who designed us. We can only be healed by the one who designed us. Why? Because outside of the grace of God, we can only do things in our own power, which is going to be fueled from our sin nature, which again is demonic. That's a word we don't use a lot. Demonic, right? We're weird creatures and, you know, I think I said this a few months ago. I wish that the enemy, like whenever he walked in and he spoke, like it was that obvious. It'd be, it'd be easier. This gnarly looking like, we'd be like, that's Satan. Right? But when he walks to the door like a good looking guy, he says, hey, babe. Right? That was my best impression, by the way. <laughs> right? Is that good looking dude? We don't see him as Satan. The Lord has blessed me, if anything. Right? He's got, he makes a lot of money. And then, yeah, I wish, I wish it was this gnarly looking demon. John 10.10 10 tells us why the thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. That is why the enemy exists, y'all, to destroy you. This is a war, okay? My purpose, Jesus said, is to give them a rich and satisfying life. And that's both now and in the future, y'all. Jesus wants the best for you. God's will and his desire is that the brokenness of humanity is healed. That's his will. That's his desire. But the kind of healing I'm talking about is not a passive healing. A lot of times this is what happens, y'all. We're hurt. Maybe we're, we're coming out of our life of, of sin and separation from God and, and we step into light and then we're like, God, heal me. And then we just sit See, healing is not always a passive thing. I think about physical therapy, okay? It, I've never been through it, but 
I've been close to people who have, and it sounds horrible, <laughs> okay? <laughs> got a buddy that got his, his knee in ACL repaired, and uh, like within, I think it was 12 hours, they had some sort of contraption on his knee that was just bending his knee like nonstop. I'm like, that's a torture device. What are you talking about? There's no way that that kind of pain is actually healing you, okay? It's, it's terrifying. You know, I watch a lot of movies, and it's like, that's what they do to people that they're trying to get answers out of, okay? That's, you know, but what is it? It's the process of healing. Is it painful? Yes. Is it necessary? Yes. Some of you, the process of healing in your life is only going to come by you coming out of this passive lifestyle and stepping into this active healing process. Because God wants to heal you, but God is all about co-laboring. God is always about working together. Okay, there are miracles, but sometimes that miracle comes through the process of work and praying and dying to yourself continually. To me, you, you, you do well for two or three months and then you fall off again and you go back to the old lifestyle. God wants to heal you, but that, that tension that you feel you need to be filled with his power, okay, in order to overcome those things so you can live in wholeness and live in healing. God wants that for you, but it's not this magical potion, okay? Sometimes the process of healing is painful. So I want to encourage all of you to get in a small group. I want to encourage you, like, highly, like, there's nothing else I can do other than say encourage, okay? <laughs> I'm going to force you to get in a small, no, that's pointless, but here's the deal. Can I be honest with you? The reason that we do small groups here at Northwood Church is because we know the, the power of it and we know the importance of it. And we know that if you will get around other people who are like-minded and built up in their faith, you will be built up in your faith. I'm telling you, it's biblical. It's not a program, okay? It's not a program. If we literally had to shut the doors to the church, Small groups would be the way that we would continue to have church without it looking like this, okay? Like New Testament church was small group church, okay? So it's not a program. It's a core part of what we do. And so that's why we stress it so much. That's why we believe in it. And if, if you've been in a small group, some of you have been in a small group, I wanna encourage you that just, you're not in a small group one time and then you're out. It's a perpetual process, okay? I gotta keep going. The last thing is this, that God forgives people. God forgives people. Now this is actually a difficult thing because God forgives people totally and equally. That means you can have a person here who never really by our standards did much wrong, okay? They were a goody two-shoe. That was me. I grew up, I was called a goody two-shoe. By the way, if you tell a kid that's a teenager they're a goody two-shoe or you say something else that's like that, what that does in their heart is it causes them to want to prove a point that they're not that, okay? Yes, yes, <laughs> right? And, and, and so anytime that there's somebody that has, uh, especially young people, if you haven't done much, lean into that and embrace that innocence and that purity, right? Some people say, I don't really have a good testimony. I never really did that much wrong. That's a lie. That's a lie. Because here's the deal. We are equally all separate from God. 
We are born into it. But what do we do? We start looking at what we do, which is a religious mindset. It's humanistic in nature. We lean into that type of thinking. And then all of a sudden we think that there's not much that God has to forgive us of. God has to forgive all of us totally and equally. Whether or not you were a goody two-shoe or whether you were the guy that was like murdering people nonstop, okay? <laughs> That's about as extreme as I could get in that scenario, okay? <laughs> Either way, God has to forgive every single person just the same. And that doesn't reconcile with our human way of thinking because we feel that there's, a, there's some sort of measuring stick of how much sin you have and, and, and then there could be more sin that's, that's you know, repented of and, and, and then God loves this person more. No, God loves equally and he also forgives equally. He forgives equally. That's the good news, by the way. Because some of you today, you came to church, I've heard it a thousand times, if I go to church, I, God's going to strike me dead, right? Or I don't know what would happen, you know? Nothing. The same grace that was extended to me is going to be extended to you. And it already is. Why? Because God loves. He forgives. It's part of his nature. It's who he is. The Bible says he puts sin whenever there's a repentant heart. He puts it as far as the east is from the west. No matter the transgression, no matter the severity of it, the Bible says that God does not reject a broken and a contrite heart. He doesn't reject it. He hears that prayer. Why? Well, it tells us this in Ephesians. It says, he is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. So, so why does God do it? Because it's who he is. He is rich in kindness. He is love. He is slow to anger. He is gracious and compassionate. It's his nature. And so because of that, he purchased our freedom with the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, and he forgives our sins. This process of salvation is, to me, I, I picture it sort of like a plea deal, okay? Now, I don't have any experience whatsoever in, in, in like actual law and being a detective or anything, but I watch a lot of movies. And so it's pretty much the same thing. Um, <laughs> Y'all know we feel like that, right? Everybody's like could go and work for the government in some capacity because they watch CSI every single episode. Okay. <laughs> That's not true. Um, so Salvation is like a plea deal. And this is what I mean by that. Is I want you to imagine a person that's been caught, okay? Like they are wrong. There's the security footage. It's a done deal. It's a done deal. And they're going away for a long time. And picture it with me. They're, they're sitting at that, like it's always a steel, like really rigid table. And it's the chair with like no cushion at all. It's just, you know, it's like screwed to the floor and they're sitting there with the, you know, they're like hand, handcuffed to the table type situation. And there's one light. There's always just one light over the table. Like, I don't know. There's, there's gotta be, they had to have done a better job planning the, the, the room, but there's only one light and it's really quiet. And then all of a sudden the door opens, you know, really bad sound effects, but we watch them and we're like, wow, that's a really big door. I don't know. And it opens up and this really like, you know, this dude walks in. And he's just always angry, like just always just mean. And he sits down and he just looks at him. And then the hardened criminal does the same thing. It's a stare down, right? There's this moment. But really what it is, is the guy that's shackled to the table has no hope. He's caught. It's done. He's going to prison for a very long time. 
And this other person walks in who actually has the authority and the power to change things. And they have a conversation. And, and, and a lot of times it goes like this. It's like, it's like hey, if you, if you give us your supplier, if you give us this information, we'll cut a deal with you. We'll, we'll cut a deal with you. Like, like it, it'll just be time served. Or it'll, it'll just be six months and then it'll be paroled or whatever the case is. And there's this, there's this deal that's being worked out. And if this person leans into it, they have a much lesser penalty or in some cases, really no penalty at all, given the crime. And this is how I picture salvation. I, I picture it, obviously, we're the one that's shackled to the table, y'all. And, and it's like we have this conversation with Jesus and he says, hey, listen, I've got a deal for you. If you believe in me, if you confess your sin, and if you repent and turn from your way of living, I'll just take your word for it, okay? Like, I'm going to cut you loose, and it's going to be good. Your debt will be paid. Well, I would have a few questions at that point, which is, how can you promise that? How do I know that you're, you're telling the truth? And then, like, Who's paying the price for it? Here's the deal, guys. Somebody pays the price for everything that's done. Somebody's paying. Somebody has to pay the price for sin. Sin doesn't just get shrugged off. And I think that's what we think sometimes is, is things get shrugged off. They don't get shrugged off. Somebody had to pay the price, and obviously it was Jesus on the cross. And what happens in that moment is it's a plea deal. We get to, we get to basically put all of our blame put all of our shame, put all the guilt, put all the sin, all the, all the penalties of those things on Jesus. He takes it on his back and we walk away like unscathed. That's what salvation is. And I think salvation is the greatest way, the greatest thing that displays the heart of God for us. And I know that some of you are in this place today and you're sitting, you know that you're far from God. You know that you are. You're here today because it's Sunday and that's what you do on Sunday. And I get that. But can I tell you that you're in a very dangerous place because you're shackled to the table and Jesus is in front of you right now and he's, he's pleading with you because his will is that you don't, that you don't pay the price because he already has, but you got to say yes. You've got to surrender. So God loves us. He heals us. He forgives us. He does all of these great things, but it's so predicated upon the fact that we accept who he is and what he's done for us. So I know that some of you are struggling with this. And you know what I'm not going to do today? I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand or come up to the front or do anything like that. I think that sometimes that's expected. And I think some people uh, almost dig their heels in at the thought of that because you've been to church before. But what I'm going to ask you to do is I'm going to ask you to pray to your God, right? And ask him to reveal himself to you personally. Because I'm just a guy that's saying a lot of words but he's God and he wants to reveal himself to you personally. Let me pray for you right now. God, we thank you for your word. God, that you challenge us. Father, that you have something bigger for us than we can really understand or fathom. And God, I know that there's a lot of people in this room right now who need you. They're sitting across the table from you right now. And God, I pray that by your power and your spirit, that you would reveal your grace to them, to save them, to bring them out of darkness and place them in light and change their life for your glory and for our good. I thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen.
If you just made that decision, let me be the first to say congratulations. The decision to follow Christ is just the beginning of your relationship with God, and we'd love to help you with your next few steps. We're one church in multiple locations. We have a campus in Gulfport, Wiggins, and in Long Beach, Mississippi. If you're in one of those areas, we'd love to see you at one of our live services. You can visit our website, northwood.tv, for service times and directions. Thanks for joining us today. We'll see you next time.